Hey guys, welcome into the ninth edition of the MLS Bench Podcast. I am Joey. With me today, Andres and John. Matt can't be with us today, but he'll be back next week better than ever. Um, but to break down a uh, kind of a, a normal week, nothing too exciting, but a normal week of MLS, I have uh, these two gentlemen with me, and uh, we'll talk some MLS, we'll talk some CCL, as that second leg um, is tomorrow, and that should be just a ton of fun. Um the nerves are coming a little bit, but, you know, we'll see. And uh, just touch on some general storylines uh, around the league as we are about uh, nine or ten games into the season. So uh, a ton of stuff coming today on the pod. And I think we've got to start um, with, you know, the the storyline that the league definitely wanted to talk about this weekend. If you looked at any of the social media pages, um, the national TV game. Uh, Nashville taking on Philadelphia in a brand new Geodis Park, I think is how you say it. Um, Nashville uh, came out, the crowd was behind them, it was rowdy, it looked like an amazing atmosphere, and then they lost a goal uh, in the beginning of the second half to Mikel Ura for Philly, and then um, they got one back, a uh, penalty from Ronald Leal, and the game finished a 1-1 draw for the uh, first game in Nashville's new stadium. Um I guess we'll open up, open it up to the floor. Do you guys see anything from this game that you guys want to touch on? I think uh, uh, for the Union, I think this is probably um, a draw that feels like a win because of uh, the atmosphere and the tough conditions. I guess I'll start with you, Andres. Um, what are your kind of general takes on this game? Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, it's always super cool to see a, a new soccer-specific stadium coming online and to see uh, so much excitement in, in the area. And frankly... A franchise that I think coming into the league three years ago came in with a lot less fanfare than than Miami did and has performed really well all the way through. So it's cool to see them uh, being rewarded and and it's cool to see what what, what might be coming from them going forward. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the the biggest takeaway for me is long term. Um, awesome to see that franchise really taking off with their new with their new home. In terms of the game, I think, you know, these are two of the probably top five or six teams um, in the league. Um, I think you're right. Uh, Philly probably feels pretty, pretty good with, with the fact that they, they got a point out of this. Um, Nashville's had um, this draw uh, affinity for, for, for draws since uh, last year when they broke the record. Um, and, and ultimately, they, they might be a little disappointed. But now, I think going forward... Um, having been on the road for so long, once they kind of settled in, I, I think they're 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 one of the top three teams for me in the West, um, and, and I think it's it's a uh, it's a good start for them to to get going. Yeah, John, I feel like the storyline in this game is really um, Union doing the Union thing, which is just play scrappy, play however however you can, and get points on the road. And for Nashville, I think um, kind of piggybacking off what Andre said, it's. It continues to be the draws, continues to not be a ton um, of like high quality attacks going forward, but you know, still threatening and obviously locked down on the defensive end. Um, how do you see this one play out? Yeah, I mean, this one played out how you would expect, right? A new stadium with a, a crowd that's absolutely bumping, right? Like a crowd that's just, you know, declaring their intent to to be the the new mecca of the league, if you will. 
um, <clears throat> in terms of stadiums. And, and Nashville came out of the gates really trying to attack this game, right? They came out um, feeding off that energy and honestly really putting Philly under some pressure, especially through that first, I want to say, 20 minutes. Um, you know, Nashville certainly looked like the, the team most likely to score. But, you know, uh, as you said, Nashville hasn't exactly been, been known for scoring goals left and right. And as the, the game settled, it, it became apparent that, that we had two really quality sides trying to figure out each other. And, and I think that, you know, for Nashville, certainly on a day like today, you, you want to give your fans a win, right? You, you want to reward them for showing up and showing up loud and proud. Um, you want to win for the homecoming, right? Uh, but I, I, think, I think you have to feel good about a tie versus Philly. Philly has been on their game all season. Uh, and I think, if, I think if you're Philly, you also feel good. You know, point on the road. Um, you feel good, you know, with the emotional energy of Nashville. You, you sort of uh, push through that, if you will, of them sort of, uh, you know, launching a new stadium. So I think when both teams reflect, you know, on this week, I think they both will be pretty happy and both coaches will be happy to move on. But, but man, it, it is sort of what, what Anders said. It is it's excited to have uh, uh, a new stadium in the league and, and, and a new uh, place to, to add to the bucket list. So it, it looked amazing. looked absolutely spectacular. So Yeah, it looked wild. And, it's, you know, it's exactly what we like to see um, uh, from a uh, quality uh, MLS game, which is, you know, these are two teams that are, you know, be fighting for in the playoffs. They're going to be top of this um you know, top of the standings. Uh, hopefully, when the uh, when the dust settles, so to see them play it out and to see, you know, like you said, the crowd was absolutely wild. Was such a uh, a gain for Nashville, and hopefully, it's like that because you know, obviously, you've we've all heard stuff about the season tickets being you know crazy so far this season. Um, you know, all those the sales and stuff being through the roof. So with all that, you know, kind of being the way it is. Um, it's just so exciting to see what this club's going to be able to do moving forward because uh, they've already had success um, in previous capacity and now with the new stadium. It's going to be awesome. Uh, for Philly, well, I think um, it, it just it's more of the same, which is it's not pretty, but uh, McKellar gets his first goal for uh, in his MLS career. Um, you know, some other opportunities mixed in, but, you know, some more solid defensive play and... You know, another one of those, uh, you know, allowing zero goals, allowing one goal, and then grabbing one um, however they can. Uh, do you guys see anything on the Union specifically? Because uh, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, saying that they are still top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, yeah, they are still top of the Eastern Conference, uh, despite, uh, I believe it's three games now without a win. Yeah, and I really think it comes from some of the production they're getting up top. Um, you know, they, they're just getting, they're just getting more goals, right? Um, Arudi is producing at a, at a surprisingly high level for them. So is Jerusi. And, um, I, I just think that, um, whereas their identity has always been strong, I think, you know, this season that identity has been more productive than it was last season. Um, now I, I think that it has to be asked, um, you know, uh, their strength of schedule when you look at their strength of schedule really one of the only strongest wins they have is versus minnesota a minnesota team that quite honestly i'm still not entirely sold on but um you know they've done what 
what they've had to do to, 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 to be where they're at in the standings. And I really do think it's because of that production they're getting up top. Yeah, Andres, I, I think a lot of this can be told in the attacking differences. And I think John does bring a good point about strength of schedule, but I mean, it does get to a point where, you know, they're winning the games they have to win. I'm not saying that this team is going to finish second in the, M- in, you know, the league standings and the league as a whole, but this is a, this, I mean, at this point, I think it's, we can say it's safe to say that this is a playoff team. And, um, where do you think the differences come from? Because a lot of the pieces are the same, but the end result and the end product have, have looked so, so different. So what, what, what do you think has been the key to their success this year, if there is a single key? Uh, I think they were pretty good at the end of last year once Drewsy got there. And he's having a you know MVP or MVP discussion type first nine games. So I think that kind of carries over to what the last third of 2021 was. And, and is bringing into what, what 2022 has looked like so far. He's just a really, really good player. Um, and they were already better at the end of the, of the year last year. But, I mean, you mentioned that you think that for sure they're a playoff team. And I said two weeks ago that I think they were um, a borderline playoff team or a playoff contending team. And and I'm still there. The Since, since that comment two weeks ago, they've beaten Vancouver and Houston. Um, I think most of us would agree that neither Vancouver or Houston are probably going to figure into the playoff hunt. Um, their other wins are Miami, Cincinnati, DC United on 10 men for most of that game and nine for a bit. And then the one win against Minnesota that, that John mentioned. And that's that's the best win that they've had so far was a 1-0 kind of an ugly game. Um, everything else has been... Um, a draw with San Jose, not great. A draw with the Sounders, okay, that's it's better. And a loss to Portland. Um, so I'm excited to see what's coming for them here. They've, they've got the Galaxy next week. That's um, probably a team right around where I see them in that five to nine range. I think the Galaxy are also there. That that'll be a, a good test. Um, and then yeah, let's see what what they do once they once they face up against. LAFC against Orlando um, that they've got coming up soon because I'm still not totally sold. Yeah, I'm definitely higher on them than a lot of people. I think it, that simply comes from their attack has so much quality, right? So, and, and we've seen that produce in every game this year, right? It, there's been goals in all but one game, which was the loss, uh, the one nil to Portland, kind of a weird game um, that was in Portland. And so if we can, you know, the constant in this is almost always, you know, attack is good, attack is good, attack is good. The defense has been at at times the issue, you know, giving up two to DC, um, giving up uh, the one Houston. That was kind of a, that was an unbelievable goal, but um, the half field goal. I'm just talking recently and giving up the the two to San Jose in that crazy comeback. Um, so yeah, they have given up goals, and I can understand where. Some of that, you know, hesitancy will come uh, will come from, you know, that they haven't played the, the top class of MLS. But I think we forget that the center back pairing is new, right? They started off with um, Cascante and uh, Kip Keller, the uh, fifth overall pick in the draft. They've been trying to incorporate Ruben and Gabrielson, who's been assigning from Europe um, in the offseason. So that defense is still, still kind of a, you know, work in pro- like it's not a finished product yet. It's kind of, they're still working on it. Um, and in terms of the uh, keeper position, I think now it's really time for 
I forgot their backup's name. Um, uh, Andrew Torbo, yeah, came in versus Houston, and now with Stuver out, and we just hope he gets better because he's such a quality keeper. It we're it's time for them to really you know step up, or you know, unfortunately that'll be you know kind of Austin's you know weak link is that defense. But if that defense continues to develop and you know create a better chemistry than they have so far this season, that attack is that really that front four is going to produce so many goals. I'm not as worried because if they're able to get one or two versus some of these better sides, I, I think, you know, we could be looking at, you know, sometimes losing, sometimes getting a draw versus the top sides. But I think they've shown enough that, you know, you need to be able to win home and away against all kinds of sides in MLS. And they've shown that, you know, versus some of those middle and lower tier sides, they're able to consistently um, perform. And that's what makes me, you know, somewhat hopeful for Austin moving forward. And that's why I can say with more certainty than you can, Andres, that I think they are a playoff side. John, do you have anything on kind of that, you know, Austin being that work in progress? Well, I, I, I think it's interesting. Both of you laid out some really eloquent reasons uh, for both sides of, of this coin. Uh, and so I really would love to know from both of you, I, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, be happy to play, play neutral over here, but you know, both of you have so definitively taken sides. I, I think it's fun. Um, I have a question. What percentage chance do you guys give Austin to making the playoffs? Like if you were forced to give them a percentage chance, because both of you guys seem to be on different sides of this coin on Austin. What percentage chance do you give them to make the playoffs? Um, I'll start. Uh, I Right now, 75. I think, Andres, I can probably guess your answer. Yeah, I'm closer to 40. Okay. Oh, wow. That's lower than I thought. Um, uh, wow. So we're going to do a, we're going to look at teams that are above and below the line a little later. Um, and in the West, I think there's a ton of teams um, that are really good that I think you'd expect um, to jump into those playoff spots. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Austin's one of the ones that get knocked down out of the spots. That that said, I think they'll be in the hunt. And like I said, I think they're in the hunt from five to nine. That's kind of where I've got them. Um, so maybe slightly below even chance of getting in. That's where I see it right now. Well, it'll be fun this season to to sort of track this and, uh, and, and see see who's right, you know? The receipts. Yeah, we got receipts. We got receipts. <laughs> Just show them this podcast. No, I yeah, we're going to talk about, you know, those you know, – above and below the line just a minute but i am like i i you say five to nine i think five to nine is probably fair i don't think they're going to be a top probably not a top three side though i mean if they get the third spot i wouldn't be surprised if they go top two that would be crazy but i mean i think they're the best team in texas and i see about three teams below the line that i think that are better than austin i know more than half the time they step out on the pitch they, they would beat austin that's that puts you in like the five six conversation, which again, if we're talking about you know, you know, in a vacuum, you know, that's that's good for most teams. That's fine, right? But for Austin, it's just the night and day comparison. I think that um, you know, Austin fans are going to be quite happy with where this team has gotten to this year. And I mean, we'll see what happens in future matches. They have a the the run coming up will really show who they really are. I mean. They're at RSL, at LAFC. Oh, sorry. They're home versus the Galaxy, at RSL, 
at LAFC. So those are two, or rather three, um, you know, playoff sides. Uh, this year, our RSO obviously, you know, had that run last year um, and has also performed so far this year. Uh, so this is really to show the medal of um, Austin FC these next couple games. After that, you know, it's home versus Orlando and back at the Galaxy. So, you know, this is a real run for them. And if they're able to make it through this and into June, um, relatively unscathed, I think from then on, if they've shown themselves that they can, you know, fend off versus the LA sides, who are probably the two best teams in the West, uh, at least on paper, then we can I'll definitely be, um, you know, more locked in on my Austin prediction. Yet I still am, you know, I, I definitely have a lot of hope for them more, more than you, Andres, for sure. Uh, but let's move on. Um, I think that was a super fun game. I think for Houston, uh, maybe just a quick touch on them before we move on. Uh, I, I think it's unfortunate again. Um, you have a lead. You can't hold on uh, at home. It's not, you know, the best of situations for a club that, you know, started so well. They are currently on the seventh spot in the uh, West. And for them, I think they've shown that they have, you know, moments of quality. The, uh, the goal, I mean, just an absolute, absolute bomb uh, from Ferrer, who's had such a good start to the season. He's just such a, a great player. But it you know, really, really wasn't enough. And for this club, I hope that they can um, continue to turn out wins and uh, results versus better sides. But I think, you know, this might be a side that is kind of seeing the last days um, of the uh, top half of the standings. So we'll see. But I hope for Houston's sake that they can uh, turn, turn around the recent slump versus the Texas teams and get back to winning ways. Uh, I guess we'll move on and hit on... Uh, the league leaders uh, taking on uh, Minnesota United at home. LAFC uh, entered the uh, weekend as league leaders in the overall table, and they will leave in that same spot with a 2-0 win over the Loons. Uh, Minnesota United are such a dangerous team because of what they can provide in the attack, right? They can always get a goal because they have quality players, but um, LAFC just showing, you know, the quality that they have, um, both sides of the ball defensively, they've really shored up over the uh, you know the last couple months, and attacking wise, it's as good as ever. They win two uh, 0 again. Um, Andres, what do you see in this one? And I think again, the takeaway is just uh, LAFC so so impressive and um, deserving of that top spot uh, back after kind of a uh, off year. Yeah, they've they've just got so much depth. Um, across the board, across the whole roster. They did a really good job of bringing in um, quality MLS um, experienced guys uh, in in Tajiri Shradi, who wasn't available this week, and of course, Kellen Acosta and guys like Ryan Hollingshead. And I was watching the game and maybe 15, 20 minutes in, I was watching Franco Escobar either clearing a ball or I don't remember what he was doing. I was thinking, what a luxury it is to have a right back who was a clear starter on that 2018 Atlanta team that was so good and won MLS Cup. And you could flip-flop him with Ryan Hollingshead, who's probably been a top five outside back um, for the last three or four years for Dallas and who was probably their best player the last three or four years. And he's he's coming off the bench and Cifuentes is coming off the bench. And it's, it's no surprise those two guys get the goals at the end of the game. Um, yeah, they just they can throw so many quality players at you 
um, even after their top line guys, who we all know how good Carlos Vela is and Chicho Rango and and yeah, they just they have so much talent. They've got so much depth, um, and it's really hard to contend with, especially when they're at home. So another super impressive game from them. Yeah, John, LAFC just has so much to offer, particularly in that attacking third. You have to be on for 90 minutes if you're going to play this team between Arango, uh, Vela, Blessing, Apoku, the young man on the outside, is uh, really shown up big this season. Um, uh, Masovsky, Safuentes came off the bench in this game. I mean, it's it's almost the impossible task, right? I mean, like, I, I think it's so incredibly hard to stop this team if those guys are firing and they have been firing so far this year when you say yeah they they look really really comfortable going forward um they 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 make creative runs they find creative passes you know there's there's very rarely a time when lafc looks like they don't know what to do in the final third and i i think that 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 should scare any team that they come against um i think the other thing that sort of stood out to me and I mean this stands out to me every time I watch LAFC play but Latif Blessing is just always everywhere on the field um he plays with such heart and really cleans up a a lot of um loose ends for that team uh, in areas that that other players just don't he just is everywhere you know winning duels um slowing individuals down on the break uh uh, every time I watch Latif Blessing play, I think he's really one of the true unsung heroes of this team. Not that he's undiscovered or, or you know, he doesn't get praised because he does. But I, I think that he he's one of the heart and soul of this team. He's definitely been one of the, you know, players who's been continuous throughout their history. So, um, yeah, I, I, they have so much talent and um, they will be good even if they lose a player or two to injury later on in the season, they're, they're going to they're be good. They'll be fighting for the top of the table. The, the real question will be, will there be anybody there fighting them forward as well? I think is really the question that will arise. Is there someone who can match them point for point as the season goes on? I think my answer right now would be no, probably just because of how good I've seen them play so far this season. And it, it would be the Galaxy, and to have those two LA teams going at it all the way to the finish, maybe even for the Shield, would be so much fun. Um, but I think really the unsung heroes, and you know, in many circles, sung, but um, but I, I think need way more credit than they've gotten. Is I mean, the, it, it really are the two center backs, right, Jesus Murillo, and particularly Mamadou Fall, who is just. He's one of the best young players in MLS that doesn't get talked about at all, probably because he's not American, right? Like, we talk about all these American youngsters, all that, you know, all, you know, the, the players who, you know, could break into the men's national team. But this guy has broken into his national team, right? Like, he's, at 20 years old, he's shown that he can um, play with the best of attackers in MLS, that he's uh, a threat in the attacking third in the air, He's just the complete package, Andres. I, I don't think that, you know, th- this can be overstated. LAFC has, have landed a gem, an absolute gem at center back that could either be starting there for a long time or could make them quite a bit of money if they sell him in the near future. Yeah, and, and he and he gets in on the end of set pieces and scores goals also. And I think, you know, I want to speak for the front office of LAFC, but I think if with 2020 hindsight, they probably regret that Walker Zimmerman uh, trade a couple years back. I, I know it was for a lot of gam at the time, and, and it seems it seemed like maybe they could you know double down and find somebody to replace him. But 
I think that was at the end of the 2019 season and through 20 and 21, they were pretty weak defensively, giving up a lot of um, kind of late goals or, or, or goals that shouldn't have been conceded. And the, this partnership of Fall and Murillo is, is really working right now. And a lot of that has to do with, with Fall coming kind of coming of age. Even he hasn't even turned 20 yet. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a really good find for them. Um, I hope they keep him for a little bit, but you're right. They, they probably could sell him for a lot of money. Um, so it's, it's been really exciting to watch for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he broke in, uh, and I said he was a national team. He broke in for the uh, Senegalese under, I believe, under 17 team I saw it was in 2019. So, you know, this is a player who, you know, he might not be uh, to, I mean, he's, he's try, we're talking about the Senegal national team. So we're quite a good national team. But he's, you know, he's he's definitely made waves over there, at least at the youth level. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he, I, he might be 20, he might be 19. I think he's 20. Um, but yet, no, he's, he's 19. So, I mean, we're talking about a, somebody who can provide so much, uh, just in the near future, um, for a club who you could say, you know, where's the young talent, but I think so much of it right now is concentrated in, in a Poku and fall guys who can really, um, start to carry the load as guys like Vela either get older or leave the club. You know, they've shown that, you know, you you take out Rossi, he can be replaced. You take out all these guys. You take out um, Mark Anthony K, he can be replaced. Uh, and, and so when you if you continue to do this, you know, take him out, replace him. We're talking about. I'm not saying a juggernaut necessarily, not in the way that you know the Galaxy won five titles so far. We're talking, but just a juggernaut in that they're going to have talent, like true, true quality all over the pitch, and that makes them just such a joy to watch. Um, anything else on this game that you guys saw, or, or I think we can, um, we can move on, uh, to, I, I guess we can go, um, kind of, uh, a barn burner in Chicago, if you guys are okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Here, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I'll move on to, um, we can just briefly touch on the, the fact that, uh, Red Bulls, uh, came from behind and beat Chicago to one. Uh, two red cards for Chicago uh, in the span of four minutes, and Klamala with a penalty, um, well, a goal in the 75th, a goal, a penalty goal in the 91st, win it for the Red Bulls. I think it's less on this game specifically, and I just want to quick touch on the Red Bulls, you know, as a whole. They're fourth in the league um, behind the Union uh, by a point, uh, 17 points through nine games. This team just once again continues uh, to show that they've improved uh, a ton, a ton, a ton in the attacking third, and defensively they're as good as ever. Um, we kind of talked about them last week, but Andres, do you want to you know, quick touch on the Red Bulls um, and their kind of a resurgence this year? They're a they're they're a pretty complete team. I think last year we saw that, that defensively they were they were good and they struggled getting goals. I think that's that's still going to be a little bit of an issue. I, I don't you know this isn't the type of attack. Like we were just talking about with LAFC, where they just throw so much quality and numbers at you. They've still got to work a little bit, uh, but they grind teams down. They've got uh, enough guys now with Lukinia. Seems like he's a pretty good player. Um, Ashley Fletcher debuted, I think it was last week or the week before last. So they got a little bit more um, support up front. Uh, so, yeah, 
I don't think they're going to win a bunch of 3-0 games like they won last week, but they've got enough quality to get you a couple goals and enough solidity uh, to keep you off the score sheet where, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a team that is built for the long haul. Whether they can sustain that high pressure all the way through, that's, that's a, a question for, for Gerhard Schuber. How, how does he keep his team fresh and fit? But, you know, on a game debate game basis, they tend to wear you down and they create enough chances to get you a goal or two. So it's been fun to watch them. Um, they, they play a slightly different style than almost everybody else. And um, yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, I think yeah, that's kind of all I, I really wanted on this team is like, and with the addition of Lewis Morgan, especially he's gotten goals. He had that, you know, amazing game versus Toronto early in the season, but he's also just been, you know, consistently a threat um, and a really good signing um, for, I think, medium tier uh, you know, trade. I, I wouldn't say that the trade was crazy to one side. If anything, probably benefited the Red Bulls um, and he is a quality player. So I think they're uh, really glad they made that trade in the offseason. Um, yeah, Morgan's, and, Morgan's a good shout. He was um, one of the very few bright spots of the last two years of Inter-Miami. Um, he was probably their best player, at least going forward. So, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. He, he gives them some more um, some more width, and he gives them a, a more direct presence, which they they need when they're, when they're trying to turn, turn teams over and go direct. Yeah, he's a good fit for that team. And uh, Lukinos, the new signing as well, um, uh, he's also looked bright in the uh, few appearances that he's made. So I think all when you put all those things together and the strong midfield, um, even losing uh, uh, Sean Davis, you're, you're able to keep uh, Drew Yearwood. Um, you still have Caceres in there. Frankie Amaya has looked good. And obviously the back line, you're talking about a, a team that's still strong um, and probably neck a net gain in terms of off-season acquisitions. So, yeah, um, and obviously Aaron Long coming back. That can't be understated. Shakiri gets another goal, um, albeit another penalty goal. I think that's two goals, both of them coming off of penalties so far this year for him. For Chicago, uh, the bright spot has been Gaga Slonina. Uh, by the way, here's uh, my Gaga Slonina moment. Gaga, please stay with the U.S. Um, please. Uh, anyways, um... Slonina and goal really been the bright spot so far this year, but everything else uh, hasn't been amazing. And uh, it's kind of been all she wrote for Chicago. Looks like another year potentially without uh, playoff soccer for them. And I don't think it's as bad as last year. And I think they've started to add pieces that could potentially, you know, Gaston Jimenez looks has looked good so far this year. Um, Shakiri has looked fine at times. Uh, other times, not so great. But, you know, it is what it is, especially in a new league for him. Hopefully he can start to settle in because he is a, a, a top-class player, still has a ton of quality. You can see it um, when he steps out on the pitch. So uh, hopefully Ezra Hen- Hendrickson is able to get his boys uh, working and hopefully producing a little bit more soon to complement what Slonina has been able to give them in the net at the tender age of 17. So that's kind of all I have for this game. And I guess one more game, and we can kind of uh, hit on a few fun things and we can get out of here. Um, the last game that like, I really, really wanted to hit on, uh, or not, not really, really, but a, a game I wanted to touch on, um, was SKC and Dallas. Uh, this was a game where Dallas goes down a man, and yet, uh, the final is 2-2, um, in Children's Mercy Park and sporting, uh, sporting Kansas City, the home team in this one. 
Johnny Russell opened the scoring from the penalty spot. Uh, Velasco and Jesus Ferreira got goals. Jesus' goal was a uh, a beautiful goal. Uh, really a solo effort, even though Paul Ariola does get the assist. So the uh, US, US MNT boys looking up there. And then uh, Daniel Shallowy gets a goal in the 77th after Brandon Cervania gets sent off. But that's all she wrote in that one. And it's some more home drop points for Sporting KC, who just can't really seem to find their groove, John. What do you think uh, could be, you know, either the reason for this, or do you think this could be, um, you know, more of a permanent thing? Yeah, I I think it's been a season of woes for them. They just have had one difficulty after another, and they just really haven't been able to get in a groove. Um, Peter Vermees is, of course, uh, absolutely wonderful coach and a wonderful GM. He does both of those things there. But, um, you know, I, I think I, I, for whatever reason, this season just hasn't really started off well for them. And uh, there's been really no sign of, of of any success or really any really attacking prowess other than you know, Johnny Russell. Johnny Russell, of course, has always just been an absolute bright spot in this league and uh, with his heart and his skill and his quality. Um, and, you know, Selena, you know, um, Selena has also been good. I think that's his name. Let me make sure. Yeah. Shalloway. Shalloway. I, pr- I have trouble pronouncing names. Shalloway. Um, you know, of course, incredible quality there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't see it this season for them. I... I just don't. I know Matt would be disappointed, but yeah, Andres. I I think for this team, um, it, I think it really is just like they just haven't been able to find a moment at all this year. They they're averaging less than a point per game, which you know through ten games is uh, a a very worrying sign um, for a team that was fine last year, has shown in the past, but you know without you know their star number nine. And their star number ten, eh, it doesn't look amazing. Um, and this team has a lot more to live up to if they hope to just make it to the playoffs, much less uh, progress far. Yeah, it's tough in this league when you're given three DPS um, and you lose two of them for the year, and they play nine and the, the nine and the ten. Uh, that's that's a lot to replace, and it's, it was always going to be difficult. And and that's on the side of the ball that that Sporting's been pretty good the last couple of years the uh the weak spot's always been at the center back position um and you know they they thought they maybe had it figured out with Fontas and, and Issa Matt Marine um and now right Fontas back on the bench right now they started with uh Volodair and and Courtney Ford this week um and you know I've said it a couple times they're they're not exactly the youngest team out there. They've got a couple guys well over 30 um, in the starting 11. They, they started with, with Uri Roussel and, and Roger in the middle of the park uh, this week again, and they don't have a proven goal scorer up top. So they're relying on Russell and Shallowy to give you, you know, 35 goals from the wing position while not being the most consistent team defensively. So I, I'm... If I'm Peter Burmese, I'm thinking, all right, what am I going to do with this 22 season um, to not make it a complete, you know, lost year? You know, maybe that means trading some of these veteran guys for some allocation money, which you can go out and get some younger, younger talent. You know, consolidate some that way. Uh, maybe it bring means bringing up some of the homegrowns. Um, 
to give them some experience. So when you get Polito and you get Kinda back, hopefully next year, uh, you have a, a more of a of a depth that you can go to 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 kind of help them out. But you know, I know it's only nine games into the year. Uh, you know, we're we're just around twenty five percent of the season. But I I think you know you've got to be thinking how to how to kind of salvage something from the season because I I don't see this as a playoff team going forward. Yeah, I think um, not as currently constructed, right? I, I think the real, if they really wanted to make a move right now that could potentially, like, quote-unquote, save their season, I hate to say it because he's such a good player, but I think really the only asset right now that you would really want to move on from, or not you wouldn't want to move on from, but could potentially land you something maybe younger um, and maybe something that could give you, you know, something in the midfield, would be... I hate to say, but maybe if you can shop Tim Melia, you could potentially get a good enough midfielder and potentially some allocation money because he is still one of the best keepers in MLS. Despite the age, he can still produce penalty stops and big saves. I think he's really the only asset right now that I think would land something good enough to turn around their season as is because unless they've got a big signing coming down the pipe, I think the ceiling for this team is certainly not much higher than a low playoff spot, if that. John, do you have any opinions on my crazy hypothetical or uh, anything that uh, SKC could do to potentially turn around this season? Yeah, I I think there's some possibility within the league. I think over the last um, you know few years, we've seen some success in in our league signings. I mean, you know, probably the most famous of that is the Walker Zimmerman sort of signing. But there's been more recent ones, um, Paul Ariola, and um, you know, then you also have um, Brad Smith up, up from Seattle to uh, DC United. And so I think there's some possibility of trying to sign some some interleague talent. Um, you know, especially before the window closes. Um, yeah, I think it's tough. I, I think, you know, to, to receive something, you have to give something. Uh, and I know that, you know, budget wise with two DBs sort of out, there's not a lot of room to wiggle around. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. They have to make a signing. Otherwise this season is going to be a scratch. I just, I, I just don't see them. I, I see playoffs being almost the ceiling for this team this season with two piece, two DPs out. Um, I think if you're an SKC fan, I think you're happy if they make the playoffs. You're ecstatic, truthfully. So, um, and that's that's not a statement about the players; it's just a statement about the obstacles they've really had to overcome. Yeah, I think this team completely constructed the way that the, uh, you know, the signings would have made it out to be. If you look at this team without the injuries, without anything else, um, would be you know a a playoff spot, a playoff team, hopefully by a, a good enough margin. Without the DPS, though, with the injuries, um, with the center back situation that you touched on, Andres, we're talking about a very, very different team. And honestly, the only like trades that I could see them potentially making is like maybe you trade with, um, you potentially you trade with, uh. The Red Bulls, because they kind of have three center midfielders when they don't really play with three center midfielders, and any one of Yearwood or um, Amaya or Costas could look to move on, but that doesn't seem very likely at all. I haven't heard any rumors about that. It doesn't seem like they're trying to shop anybody, which means that I don't know if they're if they have enough faith in this roster to make it to the playoffs. But I mean, 
it, they clearly don't seem that set on making any big moves, and I guess they're going to just try and play it out with what they have. Hopefully, it's good enough, but, I mean, I, I'm concerned for their sake and concerned for a, a team that is one of the, you know, premier teams of the league that they won't be able to, fin- you know, figure it out this year. M- more not as a fault of their, like, themselves, but just, you know, situations happen. I don't know what they can really do to respond, but hey, if they can do anything, um, I'd be very interested to see if they can make any big trades. I'd be extremely interested to see, you know, what they're looking at if they're trying to move on from certain players or, you know, grab certain position groups. I think you definitely need to shore up that midfield if they have a hope this year. Um, That's kind of all I wanted to touch on in terms of the games this week, because there wasn't a ton in terms of real interesting storylines within the games. It's more the interesting storylines outside the games. Um, and I think really the first one I want to hit on some some quick hitters. We don't have to go too much in depth because a lot of these are pretty straightforward. Uh, Matt Turner back for the Revs, uh, and you know, albeit versus Inter Miami, uh, an Inter Miami side that grabs two red cards uh, goes down to nine men by the end of this one, so it doesn't really help. But the shutout for Turner and the Revs get a uh, pretty elusive three points as the season's played out so far. Didn't Turner only like face like three shots on goal or something? Yeah, Almost yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was, I think, um, yeah, three shots on goal. So I, that's what I mean. Like it wasn't a top class performance from Inter Miami, but yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, a clean sheet is a clean sheet, but um, you know, it, it, it's nice to see him get back on the field, especially as a you know fan of the of the U.S. Um, it's also nice to see him sort of you know get eased back in with only three shots on goal, right? Uh, get get him back into the game state of mind, um, but yeah, I, I mean they've missed him, man. The Revs have missed him. Um, they, his shot stopping capabilities are through the roof, and and um, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer because he's scheduled to leave um, about halfway through, right? Is is am I correct in that? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's sometime in July. I'm not sure, but yeah, for Arsenal. But yeah, they'll they'll use him in the time being, and they'll they'll need to find a replacement because man, they're going to struggle when he leaves. So yeah, and that's you know they they needed that kind of turnaround turnaround win. It was at home. It was against Inter Miami, which even though they've been they've been better of late, I'm, you know I'm still not convinced uh, on them. And so sure. You, right now, you, if you're the Revs, you take a clean sheet and you take you take a win and you you try to build on that. So so good for them. And and I thought it was interesting. You know, the they were the Eastern Conference and Supporter Shield and points breaking team last year. Um, the Western Conference regular season uh, champs or leaders was Colorado, and they've been struggling. And they came through with a with a two nil win against Portland at home. And I thought it was interesting. They started Zardas. And Rubio, uh, they played a four-three-three, and Rubio was playing kind of as a sort of attacking midfielder in that second three line behind uh, Jonathan Lewis and, and and Max on the other side. Um, they just traded Shinichiki, I think, because they saw they weren't going to get any t- playing time for him. So I think it's going to be really interesting if they're going to be playing Rubio as kind of this attacking midfielder, string-pulling player. He ended up with a red card, um, so it, he won't he won't feature in the next match. But going forward, how they integrate Zardes and, and Rubio will be real interesting. And, and they finally got a clean sheet at home. That's two in a row now after Charlotte. So Colorado seems to be turning it around um, 
after a rough rough couple games. Yeah, I think you got to play both the nines um, in that situation because I, they are just quality players. Um, John, what do you see on Colorado? Yeah, I I did I wasn't actually going to comment on uh, Colorado. I was going to comment on the Shimishiki trade. Um, you know, Charlotte's been looking for a partner up top um, with uh, Swiderski uh, for a while now. Um, Swiderski has looked super threatening for Charlotte up up top, and the Shimishiki trade is interesting because he's going to sort of um, fight for Rios for for playing time. But they also just signed um, a U twenty two initiative player uh, from Pol- Portugal. And so it'll be interesting to see if Shimishiki gets even playing time minutes in Charlotte because um, of the U22 initiative player they just signed is also a forward. So um, Charlotte really sort of stacking up here on, you know, talent up top, trying to search for that answer of who's going to, you know, get minutes against right next to Swiderski up top. Because they they really have struggled to score goals, Charlotte. They've struggled to sort of generate any type of offense. Um, so yeah, just wanted to comment on the Shimishiki trade. Um, you know, obviously rick, previous rookie of the year. Um, I, I really do just want to see him succeed. Um, he had, you know, such a good couple of years there at Colorado and it was really kind of sad to see him fall out of favor there and, uh, really want what's best for him. Um, cause I think he, he's good for our league, but, um, yeah, just wanted to comment there on the Shimishiki trade. Yeah, I think it's a, I, I think what they've been able to do with acquiring interleague talent is good. I think this is unsustainable. Like they have too many forwards. And so I think they're going to have to see what they got quick and then move on. Cause what is it? Five forwards when you uh, include jo- Josviak, is that how you say the guy's name? Um, the winger, that's just too many, right? So you've got to move on. Um, Andres, I think that's a interesting jumping off point with the, uh, the wealth of talent up top. What do you got on that? So I, I think, and I think John maybe I follow Charlotte a little bit closer closer than I do, but it seems to me outside of Swarderski that they're just trying to accumulate pieces that they think might be able to work to see which one of them which one of them actually do come through, um, because a lot of these guys aren't really well known or super you know experienced whether in the league or or even in in, in the top leagues they're probably they're you know mostly prospects. Um, or, or guys that are kind of coming through, they, they seem to have a Polish connection. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see to see kind of where they where they go with it because um, it, it's not like you can you know say with absolute certainty, oh this guy's done it in the league before. A lot of these guys are kind of new. What do you think, John? Yeah, I, I think they're just uh, searching for answers up top. You know, and I think Charlotte is, and I I think it, it makes sense. I mean, they really haven't scored that much up up top and honestly every time Swiderski gets the ball opponents are pretty well aware that he's the best player on the pitch and so uh, as a result they tend to swarm him and he might be beat beat somebody with his first touch but you know he can only do so much and so um they've had Danny Rios up top sort of next to him playing sort of playing uh, a forward that sort of holds the ball up um but he's kind of been a non-factor at times and so I I think it's interesting because both of these sort of um, acquisitions by Charlotte FC are, are in the same place. Um, you know, they have uh, the U22 initiative player, Kerwin Vargas from Portugal, um, and they have Shimishiki. And so it's going to be interesting to see who sticks, right? I, I think in a lot of ways, Charlotte is sort of throwing the kitchen sink at, at, at those top two positions, trying to see see what works. But um, yeah, I, 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 man, I, I think it's, it's just a, a pet player of mine, but I, I, I do want to see Shimishiki work out. I just do. Yeah. Uh, he was able to provide 
uh, for, you know, Colorado in the moments that he was, uh, you know, saw the field. So if he's able to get himself a starting role, it will be very much deserved. Um, I, I think the one interesting thing on Charlotte uh, is, you know, wh- what formation do they play? If they have all these strikers, all these attacking pieces, you know, make it wingers as well, you know, do they, you know, continue with the uh, the four four two diamond or, you know, whatever they've been playing with, you know, uh, TTRTs at the 10 below the two strikers? Do you go three? Do you, I, they have so many different possibilities. But I don't think any of these players are locked in starters at this point in time. They all, they, they, uh, they all kind of have to earn their spot. So I think this will be super interesting to see, you know, kind of how it shakes out. Because, you know, we're talking about young players as well. Players that could really stake a claim, you know, moving forward. Uh, some of the signings that they made. So I think it'll be really interesting because Charlotte FC now has the pieces, not necessarily to make the playoffs or anything, but the pieces to start to build a consistent lineup, roster, you know, leaders, all that good stuff. Now it's really got to come to fruition over the next couple months because, you know, first year is always the hardest. Heading into next year, that's when you really have to start to, you know, pull it together. Um, So yeah, I think that's some good uh, kind of unexpected, but good uh, Charlotte conversation. Um, They, by the way, on the weekend, they did lose 2-1 to Orlando um, in, in Orlando. Joey, Christian Fuchs getting uh, his first goal in MLS uh, via penalty. Um, here now we can uh, do a little bit that uh, John you came up with, and I really like it a lot. Uh, so far this season, we've had some surprising results uh, with CCL and all that good stuff. Some uh, interesting, um, you know, looks at teams that are above the playoff line and below the playoff line. Teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Some teams that you would expect. So I think we're gonna go through and give our in any conference, I don't care which conference you guys choose, but we can't choose the same teams. That's really the only uh, uh, you know rules here. One team above the playoff line that's been a surprise to you and why. One team below the playoff line that's been a surprise to you and why. And John, since you came up with this game, I'll start with you. Who are your above the line and below the line teams? Yeah, I'll start below the line. Uh, I think... Nashville has has done really really well, sort of playing away from home. Uh, in a lot of ways, they're the easy pick. Um, I think you know their record has them right beneath the playoff line, and they they literally played their first home game um, this last weekend. And so I I think they're pretty well positioned um, to 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 move into the playoff spot. Um, and so I'll, I'll choose someone maybe that's a little bit uh, more surprising on the flip side. I, I'm not a big fan of the Loons. I I think that. Uh, the loons just—they just have not been impressive, impressive to me. I'm—I'm I'm not convinced of Ludd up top, and uh, I—I said it a few weeks now, and I'm sure the listeners will will get annoyed at me saying it. But man, I, the team just goes as Renoso goes, and Renoso just at times feels like he's by himself, and so I—I I, I see them dropping out of playoff contention. Um, I don't see them block, dropping all the way to the bottom or anything like that. I think that they'll be pl- fighting for a playoff spot. Um, throughout the entire season, but I, I think ultimately they don't make it. Um, and so, yeah, I, Nashville may be an easy pick, but uh, also Minnesota may be a little bit more of a controversial pick. Yeah. Um, and just to give an update on where those two teams are, Minnesota sitting six right now in the West, uh, 14 points off nine games and a plus three goal differential. Nashville, uh, 12 points from nine games and a minus one goal differential. By the way, uh, Houston is 12 points plus one goal differential. Uh, Colorado, uh, 12.0 goal differential. And Nashville, 12 points minus one goal differential. So all those teams really separated by two goals 
uh, for that seven spot. So Nashville could very easily be the seventh team right now and be above that line. So, you know, I, I agree that Nashville should make it. I think that Minnesota one's interesting. Um, just I think like, they have enough qual- quality in all places in the pitch, enough that I think they should make the playoffs. But I know what you mean, and I know that you, what you're saying, they have, they have underperformed. So that'll be interesting to see what they, uh, what they have for the rest of the season. Andres, what do you have on uh, John's stuff? And then you can uh, jump in your own above the line and below the line teams. Yeah, I think Nashville is a good, a good shout. Um, I'm probably a little higher on, on Minnesota than, than John is. Although I, I would have also had them, like we mentioned earlier, in that five to nine range like Austin. So I don't think it's it's unreasonable to see them dropping out. But but I do th- I, I think they're probably a, a a playoff team, my personal opinion. I'm gonna so I'm gonna stay away from the Eastern Conference because the East right now, I would not be surprised if the seven teams that are in are the seven teams that actually um, end up being in. Uh, even though we're only nine or ten games in, I think it's it's pretty much stratified in a way where most of the better teams are up top, with maybe the exception of New England. So I'm going to stay on the West, where I think it's still more jumbled up, um, and I'm going to say above the line to potentially drop out. And I'm sorry, I know everybody always underestimates them, and I'm going to keep doing it, but it's Real Salt Lake. Um, they just squeaked in last year and I actually think they're a pretty solid team and you know that six six nothing win or six nothing loss to NYCFC two weeks ago didn't necessarily alter my opinion one way or another um, but I think they're just a you know as it was last year they were already um, at a talent gap and just kind of squeaked in on that last on, on decision day and now they're they're without Rusnak this year um, and Krylock's now 33 um, and I think just from a from a talent standpoint, uh, they're going to have a, a difficult time staying in that top half in the West. Um, and for the team below the line, I'm surprised John didn't say Seattle. So I'll take Seattle um, because they're they're only on seven games played. So they're two below pretty much everybody else and three below some teams. Um, and once this uh, final uh, gets done, I think they're really going to take off. And and I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see them, you know, maybe they, they might be too far behind at this point to catch LAFC, um, but I w- I'd be surprised to not see them in that two or three spot by the end of the year. Yeah, as a Seattle fan, I, I feel good about that pick. Um, they 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 just have struggled with CCL, and they, they've struggled to sort of balance between the two, really three competitions soon. Um, and so, yeah, I think Seattle is a good shout. Yeah, I agree with the... Um... I would. I'm also higher on RSL than I think you are, Andres. I, th- I think that they are good enough for me to stay. Um, maybe it's because we've under- underestimated them in the past, and I'm just gonna not make that mistake again this time. But I think that they're a good enough team to stay. Though I do see your point, and I do see them uh, potentially dropping out. Um, I think for Seattle, definitely. Yeah, that that was a team that if you hadn't gotten, I would have uh, quickly snatched up because I think they are good enough. Um, to, you know, challenge for MLS Cup. Obviously, they're in the CCL final, and we'll touch on that very briefly in a second. Um, I think for my teams, uh, you guys have kind of taken all the good ones. Um, I'm going to also stay in the West, because I really do think, like, I was going to say, you know what, I'll try and do the East. Honestly, all those teams could, you know, stay, and probably most of them will stay. Um, and it's hard for me to say with absolute certainty that the Revs are going to go up, and 
I don't maybe Atlanta United would drop. I mean, I much more sure about the West. Houston for me is that team on that seventh spot. I it's been a good start to the season, twelve points in nine games. I I don't really see it happening. Um, unfortunately, I they're a great team. They've got uh good players. I just don't think that you know the sum of the parts when all the teams are kind of firing on you know their their normal level that you know it happens in the summer we talk about the dog days in mls when you do three games a week in the summer and you you kind of have to keep getting up every single time i think they're not a team with a ton of depth and i think it'll be easier for a team like colorado to jump back in that playoff spot which is literally just a goal behind them um on goal differential same amount of points so Kind of cheating a little bit, but uh, I think Colorado have what it takes to get back in. Obviously, uh, you mentioned, you know, they've underperformed so far this year, in my opinion. But um, they've also played some tougher teams. They've they've played Real Salt Lake. They drew them. They've drew, drawn Houston already. Uh, their losses to Dallas, who are a good side, who I, I'm scared to touch because I think they're good enough to stay up. Uh, Minnesota, who I, I'm higher on. Uh, they've beaten SKC. They've beaten Atlanta only really definitive loss, like super, super definitive loss, uh, first game of the season, 3-0 to LAFC on the road. So Colorado is a team that's kind of been up and down so far this year, and a, a lot of in the middle. Um, they just got the win versus the Timbers. They play the Earthquakes next. I think this is good enough for them to keep, uh, for them to get going with Giassi now in there. Rubio has looked good so far this season. Um, I think they have what it takes, and... They have enough depth, like I said, last of the summer, um, and really overtake Houston because I don't think Colorado needs to be a much different team than they are right now. Probably just find a little more consistency, um, find some certainty in the attacking third, and they're going to be off and running because I just think they're a good enough team with the pieces that they have, um, just as cur- as currently constructed to you know make the playoffs. But I think we've taken some good teams. I think. It- when you get past some of our teams that we take, that we you know we've taken, where would the next teams come from? Because I'm not sure about Kansas City. I'm not sure about Portland. Um, in the East, I'm not sure about New England. I'm not sure about Charlotte or Toronto. Right. So I think we've kind of taken the easy teams. When you get past our teams, particularly the teams that are below the line, it'll be interesting to see like will any of those teams kind of hop back in or challenge. But I think the teams that we've taken, particularly the teams below the line, pretty sure fire bets to hop back in in the West. Um. If anybody's only- anything else on that, you guys can hop in now, or uh, we can just move on to the CCL uh, preview. The only other team that I maybe might comment on, and, and this is venturing a little bit into the Eastern Conference, I think Atlanta's in free fall. I think that they just do not have an answer about how to replace Joseph. Um, they just did not look good this last weekend against Montreal, and um, I... I just think that I just don't see them holding on to that playoff spot unless they fix something. Um, and so I do see them sort of falling out of playoff contention unless they change something quickly. Their last few games, they just have not looked. That would have been the team that I would have touched. Is like without Joseph, you know, do they fall to a point that they can't really recover from? Because they do have quality, and when he's been in, they've had they've produced so far this season. But you know, without him and him with potentially even further injury issues, just past this eight weeks or whatever he's going through right now. Um, that I think the logical response would have been New England hops back in, but even that could be, uh, you know, potentially, um, uh, that, that's less of a safe bet, I think, than what we chose. So that's, uh, that was fun, uh, good, good touching on that stuff. 
and say, before, um, before we cut out because oh, yeah. we're going to go into that northwest area of the country i wouldn't i wouldn't count portland out or actually i i'm pretty sure they'll they'll find a way to get the they'll get in i don't remember when's the last time portland um didn't make the playoffs they've got maybe a few more question marks this year because um you know valeri's now gone blanco's hit or miss with with his injuries but i i think there's enough talent there and and savarese has been a good coach since, since he's been there so i i think portland probably finds a way to get in by the end of the by the end of the season i would agree that you know the sum of the parts of portland should make it to the playoffs right if we if they're, if they're firing the way that we know they can play then they should make the playoffs but yet again like this is a team that hasn't been you know solid or i'm they haven't been consistent this year. They've had moments of brilliance, and they've had moments of, you know, far from it, like a 2-0 loss um, in Colorado. So, you know, it's been up and down, and I think with those injuries, that's if, if, if Blanco was completely healthy, no injury concerns, I'm much more certain about this team than I am right now. Um, if they get it figured out up top, start producing goals, and Nishkota starts to settle in, which we've been saying for a while, but if he can, if he can uh, settle in somehow... Um, you know, in the middle of the season, start to find his form. I have, you know, much uh, more confidence in this team making the playoffs. But I think that's a good point that you bring up, Andres. So, uh, you mentioned about us touching the Northwest region. That is where the eyes of the North American soccer world will be upon Wednesday night. We're recording this, as always, Tuesday night. So, tomorrow night, Pumas take the long journey up to Seattle and that uh, that tie is currently sitting at 2-2 with no away goals. It is simply a grudge match uh, for the CCL uh, title and a trip to the potentially uh, non-existent or potentially existent Club World Cup. We'll see about that. Um, but for Seattle, uh, this is a prime opportunity to be the first. Uh, you know, it's not often that a team that, you know, at least in their MLS history, isn't as uh, storied as, you know, a DC, a Galaxy, and yet they sit on the cusp of history, um, a win tomorrow night, however it may come, and they will be the first MLS team to win CCL as currently constructed, and they have everything that they need to do to do it. They have all the momentum, they have their uh, week rest, they have the home crowd. It looks like it's going to be just about a sellout there in Seattle. Uh, flashbacks to the 2019 MLS Cup Final. This team has it all. All in front of them. Perfectly uh, poised to win. And yet, you never know. With it, all, always, it seems to be something that holds MLS back. Um, first, I want to quick hit on the game from last week. Uh, it was a game really of uh, grit for Seattle, fighting back um, on the road in the elements, uh, rain, and a, a a really, really, really good Pumas crowd. Um, they were able to uh, come back and tie that one um, just at the end. Uh, Nicola Darrow buries two penalties, and Seattle escapes with the draw. Um, if you guys have anything on that, uh, I'd love to hear it. What do you guys... Uh, what were your guys main takeaways last week um, in the first leg down in Mexico City? I thought Seattle was pretty unlucky because I thought they played really well the first half um, and gave up what I thought was a pretty soft penalty uh, for that first goal. And then, you know, you guys discussed about uh, Deneno potentially being out or being ruled out. And then 
turns out he he wasn't out he he played um and he he got a really um nice header towards the beginning of the second half to to go up to nothing and you're thinking oh man here we go again um another ccl final where you know things kind of go awry in in mexico um and then you know the opposite of what normally happens uh in in concacaf where where you know the us team benefits from from some calls um before you know it you're you know you're scoring a penalty and right at the death to to get to get back level and i think you've got to be feeling pretty good going into the final at home i just saw um it's confirmed a sellout at 67,000 um for for tomorrow night so pumas had to play over the weekend uh, they snuck into the liguilla um, by the skin of their teeth with a win on Sunday. So they're coming off of only uh, three days rest. Seattle's been back home since since the first leg. Uh, I think you've got to like your chances, even with the Neno playing. And it looks like Moses is going to be out, right? You you would expect that after after the injury. So Yeah, it didn't look good at all. So, but, uh, yeah. yeah, you got to feel good. Yeah, as a Seattle fan, John, uh, what what are the feelings right now? I mean, it's one of excitement, right? Uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the goal that, that MLS teams have been, you know, chasing for, for years now. And, you know, it's, 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 it's the meme. You got CONCACAFed, right? Every year, MLS seemed to find a new and unique way to, to fall and fail out of this tournament. And, um, you know, now we're on the cusp. We're on the cusp of making history we're on the cusp of representing our you know legion our region we're on the the cusp of sort of uh, waving the banner and saying hey that the best the best team in our region is from mls and um you know i, I think a lot of pundits have sort of said that it's uh, fitting for it to be seattle um, and i might be a little biased as a sounders fan but i, I certainly think that um just with the success that they've sustained over the last couple of years whether it's um, the multiple, multiple years not missing the playoffs or whether it's the, the multiple cups. Um, I think it's certainly fitting. As a Seattle fan, just you know, looking on the field, um, everybody's healthy. In a seemingly unbelievable statement, every, everybody's, for the most part, healthy and ready to go. Um, you know, they didn't play this last weekend. Pumas did play this last weekend uh, in a game that actually meant something for them. And, and so, uh, you know, you liked your chances. For sure, you like your chances again. You know, in front of a sellout crowd, in front of a, a crowd that's sort of rooting uh, for history, um, you have to expect them to feed off that energy. Um, but you know, I'm just going to be truthful. We have we, we want to be careful though because we don't want to get concacaft. You know, we we don't want to um, we we don't want to let history repeat itself. And I, I don't know. I personally am, am hesitant to even let my hopes get up. Because I just don't want to be disappointed again, but uh, but but I am letting them get up. I'm I'm excited and, and I'm I'm excited to see this game. And honestly, truthfully, anything less than a win will be disappointing, as it should be. This is a team that is perfectly poised, has everything behind them, everything's going right, and they just gotta carry it out. But I, I'm 100% with you. This is I I am I don't have my expectations high, but I do like at the same time because I don't want to like you know be incredibly disappointed if they lose, but. It it will be at least a night to remember for all of MLS, um, as you know they are going to go over sixty seven thousand. That's been reported basically everywhere now by the club itself. Um, 
the largest uh, attendance in the history of the competition. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, I'm just ready for tomorrow night. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I hate to do this, but score predictions? Uh, what are her score predictions for tomorrow night? Um, I, I guess I got to start with Andres, and then John, unfortunately, you might have to give an answer here. I hope I don't regret this. I'm going to go Seattle 3, Pumas 1. Geez, that's what I was going to go. Um, yeah. You can go 3-1 I mean, if you want. 3-1 three, one, three, one seem, seems right, feels right. I mean, I think both teams are at a point going to be chasing this game, and I just I just see both teams going for it. And uh, I just think that Seattle is more equipped to sort of, you know, uh, succeed on the counterattack with Jordan Morris down the side and um, Rusnak and Lodero in the middle sort of picking out some key passes. Uh, Roldan really likes to streak up that uh, right-hand side. So um, I, I, I think 3-1 feels right. Man, I, I, you know, my gut though, my gut, yeah, there's like a tightness in my, it's like butterflies, you know? It's like, it's like before a big game. I, I'm not even playing and I'm nervous, right? So uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I honestly three one sounds pretty appealing, but I I guess I'll change it up. I think I'll I'll go two one. I think Seattle grabs two goals is pretty comfortable. Maybe Pumas, you know, you know, just pushes so hard at the end grabs one. But I think at the end of the day, I, I think Seattle's got all that it, you know all that it takes to win this game. Uh, Pumas has not been that successful in Liga this season, and you know, I I don't think it's necessarily an indictment of the team as a whole, but without. Moso, who's such a good player, with Deneno maybe not being at 100%. Um, we, don't, we still know what that injury was, why he was said to be out and then was not out. But I think there's enough question marks around Pumas right now and not enough question marks around Seattle. I, I think history's made uh, uh, tomorrow night, uh, 10 p.m. Uh, at Lumen Field. Uh, we'll see. Um, it will Seattle be finally be the team to do it? It should be said that Donato scored two over the weekend against Pachuca. So that, that injury has been affecting him, you know, pretty, pretty substantially. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it does it. I mean, he, he seems to be just like, I, it's unbelievable. I and mean, he just he seems to be a, such a goal-scoring machine. Um, so he's definitely one to be worried about if you're Seattle. But, I mean, then again, right, Pumas, I think, what was it, they haven't won on the road in 2022 or something like that. I remember they went up to New England and got absolutely hammered 3-0 before that crazy second leg happened, right? Like, they they looked all, it looked dead and buried um, when they went up to New England in the uh, conditions. I think it was snowing uh, back in February. So I, I think for them, um, you've got to be able to finally, you know, get something to go on the road. And, right, it's really make or break. You don't have time to, you know, experiment or anything. You've got to find it right away for minute one or else Seattle's going to punish you as they have... Um, Every team that they've played, basically, in big games recently. Seattle is a big game team. Um, and, you know, they're, they're always able to seem to find another gear in these, you know, final games. We've seen that over the past couple of years, multiple MLS Cup championships. So I, I think for this team, for Seattle, it, there's just so much excitement in the air. You can see that in the, in the ticket sales and all of that stuff. So it's going to be an unbelievable game. Um, and that's really all I got for today. Uh, Here's again to another Seattle win. Thank you guys so much for hopping on and once again chatting MLS with me. We'll be back hopefully next Tuesday or next Wednesday, so uh, check your feeds for that. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, So until next Tuesday or Wednesday, enjoy life, enjoy the beautiful game, and we'll see you then. Uh, Let's go Seattle.